today we're looking at I am devoted. Colossians chapter 4, drop down to verse 2. That's where we're going to start. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Tychicus, our dearly beloved brother, a faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Now, that's as far as we're going to get today. And, uh, you know, if, if we, anyhow, that's, that's the plan. Uh, notice what it says. Devote. Some of the translations say continue steadfastly. The King James just has continue. It's more than just continue. It's, it's, a, it's a stronger word than to simply continue. Uh, you know, it, it has the thrust there. It means to uh, adhere to one. Constant to one. Steadfastly attentive to, to give unremitting care. You know, so it, it's something that, that, that's there that, that you are, well, de- devoted to. That's, that's a, good, a, a good word for us, you know, devoted to. You know, devoted to prayer. We probably don't pray enough. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that somebody could say I'm devoted to prayer. Um, but, or can we? You see, because I don't think it's just, a, I, I don't think it's so much about the time, you know, I, I don't think we pray enough because, well, anyway, I think these directions tell us to pray earnestly, you know, pray earnestly and regularly. If I, when I was going through the sermon this morning, I kind of added that so it's not on the screen, but write it down. Pray, you know, pray earnestly and regularly. You know, there's, when we, when we think about prayer and we, and we look at prayer, um, we shouldn't wait until we until we desperately need it. You know, that's, certainly that is a time to pray. I mean, that is a time to pray when we desperately need it. But it shouldn't be the only time we pray. It shouldn't be. You know, it, it shouldn't be when we. You know, when you, you wait until you know you're you're so beat up that you can't do anything else. We need to be devoted to prayer. You know, regular prayer. I think. I, I think. When, you know, you become devoted to prayer when you realize that we do desperately need to stay connected to God. I think that's when we become, you know, where we're devoted to prayer, where we pray earnestly and regularly, where we realize that we do desperately need to stay connected to God, to the one we are devoted to. You know, that when we realize that, I I think that it, it comes more into play. You know, that we need that connection with him, that we need, we, we need to know not only that he's there, but that he's, that he cares. We need to know that, that he is the one that gives us direction and guidance. We need to know that he is the one uh, that, that brings wholeness into life and can make sense out of the, the disjointed parts of our life sometimes, you know, and how, how it all fits together. It's not just when things are crummy, but we desperately need him all the time. You know, prayer is not to get our will done in heaven, but it's to get God's will done on earth. 
you know, that, that it puts us more in, in touch and in tune with him. It helps us understand and discern his will in general and his guidance in those specific situations where his will doesn't seem very clear to us. You know, and we pray and, we, and it keeps it before us more. Yeah, when, you know, at the beginning of the sermon, you know, I had a whole list of, of, of things I was going to tell you that we would be going into the series next. And, and, you know, but I, it's been something I've been praying about. And because I've been praying about it, you see, then I'm a, when God gives me some of those little nudges and, and, and little things, then I'm a little more attentive to it because you, you spend, it's something that, you know, you're doing regularly, that you're doing, and, and praying and keeping in touch with Him regularly. Some of the some of the big. I'm, I'm assuming none of you killed anyone this week. At least I hope you didn't. Didn't. Those are easy for us, isn't it? The big things are easy. But so smaller things that we're praying for direction for, and we wonder, hmm, what, 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 you know. But it, you see, if you if you realize if you realize that we do desperately need him in all of life, and then you're praying to, to him, and and you're doing, and then as you go along, it's a little easier for you to notice and to recognize the leading of God. Then in those times in which it's not quite so clear in Scripture, you know about about you know about what what job should I take? What you know where should I live? Um, I, you know, how do I deal with this situation? But when we're praying and, and when, we're, we, when we realize that we do desperately need him, then we're, we're in that little bit more contact with him. And it's easier for us to understand and to see and discern his leading when we go forward. You know, we sometimes feel that God isn't answering our prayers. Now, just a couple of thoughts on that. One is you need to realize no is an answer. You know, no is you know, it is an answer. But we sometimes feel God isn't answering because we don't see things happening like we asked. You know, almost as if we are in control or we know what's best. Now, we wouldn't say that. But we think sometimes that God isn't answering because it's not unfolding the way we think it should. It's not going the way we think it should. And so, well, of course, God's not answering because if he, if he were answering, he'd do what I wanted. What we need to realize and understand, you know, is that no, isn't it? Our request may not have been in God's will, which is always best. Don't confuse that with easiest. It's not always easiest, but it's always best. Remember, think back, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, when Jesus was praying in the garden and he prayed, he said, Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He knew that the crucifixion was coming. He knew of his death on the cross. He knew what an agonizing death that would be. And from a human perspective, it was horrible. It was horrible from a human standpoint. It was horrible in his humanity that he had to go through that, that he had to suffer that. And that was a horrible thing. And he knew that that was coming. But he also knew that if the Father's will is best. The limitations of our humanity don't always allow us to see divine wisdom. We wrestle with that. We struggle with that. We don't always get to see divine wisdom. God could simply be waiting for the right time to answer your prayer. God's delays are not 
God's denials. Because it doesn't unfold in the time sequence that we think it should sometimes, it doesn't mean that God is saying no. You know, his delays are not his denials. I I like this. I, I ran across this when I was studying. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of God's willingness. Laying hold of God's willingness. It's us. It's us trying to get a hold of and understand God's direction and God's will. And what it is that he wants and is bringing that. You know, now notice Paul, he, he says, you know, he asked the Colossians to pray for him and his companions. Uh, it's important for us to pray for others, you know, not just asking things for, our, for ourselves. We need to be others focused with our praying. Other focused. Uh, a lot of our prayers, you know, focus and center around us. But to be other focused and to open it up and to see what God is doing in other people's lives. Paul mentions, you know, he says that I was in chains. He was in prison at this time. Did you notice, though? He did not ask them to pray that the prison doors would open. That had been done in the, you know, that had been done in the past. They, they know, you know, God had opened prison doors. He did it for Peter and John and, and opened those prison doors so they could go right out. Paul doesn't ask here that those prison doors be opened. Did you notice what he asks is open, though? Doors of opportunity. He said, you know, that, that they would see that those, that, that Jesus would open those doors of opportunity so that he could tell others about Jesus. This is what he prayed for. This is what he asked them to pray for. It was more important to Paul that he would be faithfully devoted to God than that he would be free. He wanted to be faithfully devoted to God more than he wanted to be free. Pray earnestly. Be devoted to prayer. Pray regularly. And then it goes on. It says, stay alert in it with thanksgiving, being watchful with thanksgiving, is how some of the translations say. Cultivate an awareness with gratitude. Cultivate that awareness of God with gratitude. You see, because as you pray and as you, you'll begin to see more of what God's doing, you know, and then let that gratitude be a part of it. Pray for opportunities to, to tell others about Jesus and then expect God to give you those opportunities. Know that he will open those doors of opportunities. And then when the opportunities come, then actually open your mouth and tell other people about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. If we felt the same urgency to reach others with the good news about Jesus, if we felt the same urgency about that, that we feel about securing our own well-being in this world, the church would be a different place. It would be a totally different place if we, if we found it as urgent to reach others, if we found it as important to reach others as we do about securing our own place in this world. The church would be a whole totally different place. He says, stay alert with thanksgiving. We have more to be thankful for than, than we take time to admit. We have more to be thankful for than we even notice. That's one of the things you can constantly and continue and be devoted to prayer. Open my eyes to see what you're doing. You know, and, and he opens these things. You know, express your thanks to God and to others about what he is doing in your life. Tell God and tell others about what he's doing in your life. We have a, we have a lot of people driving past our house recently. They, they opened up a new section of the, of the addition that we live in. 
And so the, even yesterday when it was, you know, there's snow in the morning and stuff, and there's people driving back and, you know, there's people driving back and forth, it seems almost, you know, regularly all day. There's in and out and in and out. And um, if I'm outside doing something, and it's not, it's not unusual that someone will stop and say, can I talk to you about, you know, about this place? And he, sure, that's fine, you know. And, and, you know, it's not even unusual then that they end up coming in and seeing the house. A couple of weeks ago, somebody stopped by. We, I was out there doing something, and this guy pulls up, parks. He says, can I talk to you? Well, actually, what happened is they, they had come out of, the, out of the new park, and they pulled up into our driveway. We pulled up next to them because we live there. And uh, and the guy rolls down his window, and so I rolled down my window, and uh, he looked at me. I said, "I live here." <laughs> oh, he says, "Can we talk to you?" I said, "Sure, that'd, that'd be fine." So we thought we're talking a little bit, and Jenny says, "Come on in." You know, well, one of the things that happens though, when somebody comes and they stop and they talk to me about it, and they begin, you know, talking, and 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 uh, you know, then. They, they, 90% of the time, maybe even more, they hear about how God led in us getting that lot in that house that we're in. Because it was, it was a God thing. It's just one of those, I don't know how else you describe it. Um, you know, Glenn, Glenn was our realtor and Glenn and I went there and we looked at it and within it was, this, this lot was already, it was already taken. And it wasn't available. And within hours, literally, uh, we had talked to him about it, and, and then we went back, and God just put things in place. And it was, it was, in less than an hour of sitting there face to face with, with this woman that we had, you know, selected that we got this lot that was not available, and that we, you know, that we had the house that we wanted to put on it, you know, and that they were going to check and do all of these things. And Glenn and I just sat there, and uh, you know, and and we went out. And Glenn just said, "I don't know, I've ever seen anything like that before." You know, it's uh, stuff comes together sometimes. He said, "No, this is different, though." You know, this is, and and it's, it's just a God thing of how God opens up. Do you tell people about about the things? You know, who are you telling about the things that God has done for you? You know, are are you telling? Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. He says, you know, with thanks. Who are you telling about the things that God has done for you? You know, there, I saw this uh, on uh, online one time. You know, somebody put it up there more than once. I've seen it. And it's kind of and, and, and it gets your attention. It says if you only had available. This is maybe a paraphrase. If you only had today, those things you thanked God for yesterday, what would you have? Not much. Not much. You could even expand it a little bit. If you only had today what you thank God for this week, what would you have? You see, there's much more to be thankful for than we express. Much more to be thankful for than, than we even than we even talk about. Stay alert, it says, with thanksgiving. Cultivate that awareness with gratitude. Verse 5, it says, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Well, Live wisely in the world. 
Live wise. You're in this world. Jesus said that you are, you know, you're in the world. You're not of the world, but you are in this world. And this world is where we live. This world is where we operate. Live wisely in this world, particularly with those who don't know Jesus. You've heard me say this before, unless this is, you know, your first Sunday here. Uh, but it's true. You are the very best Christian some people know. That I, I hope that does make you uncomfortable. Well, maybe it, I hope it doesn't, but uh, you get the point. You are the very best Christian some people know. Some people don't know any other Christians, you know, and, and you're the best one. You are the very best Christian, the very best witness in some people's lives, the very best witness for Christ in their lives. You know, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. You know, often people listen to our message more with their eyes than they do with their ears. They read the fifth gospel most often. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. And you are the one they are reading most often. And they listen with their eyes long before they listen with their ears. The gospel message, the difference that Jesus Christ has made in our life must always be lived out by the way that God's people go through their ordinary day. By the way you go through your ordinary day. Those people who we see that, that where people most respond you know, to Christ through their lives and we wonder it's the people who go through their day living their faith it's the ones that that live out their faith every day if you don't think you're a good enough example for jesus you know and of his love then live your life more for jesus instead of yourself so that you will be a good example Apply his wisdom instead of relying on your own wisdom or the world's so-called wisdom. Rely on his wisdom. Embrace his wisdom more. That is what it tells us here, acting wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Acting wisely, making the... You may not see them again. It may be that God only had you cross their path for a moment. Make the most, it says. Act wisely toward others, making the most of the time. Look at the first part of verse 6. Your speech should always be gracious. That's pretty clear. Be gracious. Always. Always. This is what he tells us here. To be gracious always. You know, particularly... When you're talking with those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, don't let your lack of grace, don't let your lack of grace keep someone from coming to know Christ. Your speech should always be gracious. Being recipients of God's grace should make us gracious to others. We have no excuse for not being gracious. We have no excuse for this. We might think that this other person doesn't deserve grace, Guess what? Neither did you. And God showed you grace anyway. 
We may think they don't deserve grace, but God showed us, people who didn't deserve grace, he showed us grace anyway. If we deserved it, then it wouldn't be grace. It would be payment. It would, you know, And payment is not grace. Grace is something that is freely given because of the character of the giver. Not because of the, of the one receiving it. It's because of the character of the giver and because our character has been changed by the grace of Christ, we should be showing grace towards others. We should be, we should be speaking in grace to others. The ones that, that we are to extend grace to are those who need grace because they're messed up, you see. You don't have to extend grace to a nice person because they're, you know, it's, you just kind of naturally are nice to them. We need to be more aware of it in those times when somebody's rubbing our face. It's because our character has been transformed by the grace of God that we can then in turn show grace to others. We need to be gracious to people rather than condemning. It's so easy to be condemning. And he's told us to show grace to them. We need to be kind rather than calloused. You know, kind rather than calloused, rather than not feeling, rather than, you know, rather than resistant, rather than, you know, getting tired of the rub. And so, you know, we build up a resistance to it and we don't even hear what they're saying. We need to be kind rather than calloused. We need to be sensitive to them as people, as people with feelings, as people with struggles, as people with brains, as people with personalities. We need to be gracious Now, let me give you a caveat to that. We sometimes confuse gracious with, you know, with, with, uh, I don't know, with with being nice or whatever. Don't be so gracious that you never tell them about Jesus. If there is offense, make sure it's the offense of the gospel and not the offense of the gospel teller. We are told to be gracious. We are told to exhibit that, that, that grace. We should never forget the grace of God that he shared with us and that he intends for us to share with others always. The verse goes on. He says, your speech should be gracious, seasoned with salt. Choose a different word if you want. Be lively. I don't know what else. I, I, I wasn't sure what else. I just didn't come up with something better. You come up with something better. You can tell me about it later, but I really don't care. Um, you know, if you do tell me, make sure I write it down, because then if by the grace of God he allows me to share this with someone else. At any rate, be lively. Seasoned with salt, he says. Seasoned with salt. Look, look, <coughs> look at that. Now, they use salt as a preservative, something we're not used to. You preserve something. It was to keep it from rotting, you know, and, and so that they would preserve it there. They also used it as a seasoning, as we do, to enhance the flavor of whatever comes in contact. That seems to be the context here when he says seasoned with salt. Have you ever had unsalted potato chips? Why do they make those? What is the sense of unsalted potato chips? Seriously. Well, it's for people with high salt content. Don't, don't eat potato chips. <laughs> unsalted pretzels. Wouldn't you eat an unsalted pretzel? I feel like I'm eating the leftovers after my grandkids sucked all the salt off of it and then put it back in the bag. <laughs> Why would you want unsalted p- 
potato chips and unsalted pretzels. It's just, it's just, that's wrong. It's like, why bother? You know, it's worse than wrong. It's worse than bland. You know, be seasoned with salt. Enhance the life of those that you come in contact with every day. Enhance their life. What this is telling me is we need to connect God's truth to everyday living. We need to connect, and we need to help them connect God's truth with everyday living. Not simply the facts, which also seem disconnected from living here and now. You know, the facts sometimes seem disconnected from that. God's word makes sense for us today. Help them to see that. Seasoned with salt. Help people to make that connection to the word of God in their life today. Salt also makes you thirsty. You may or may not know that. And if you do know, if you do know this next illustration, keep it to yourself. So you know why they put free pretzels on the bar? Because it makes you thirsty. Keep refilling that bowl of pretzels, baby, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll drink more, which is what they're in business for. You know, they, uh, salt makes you thirsty. So, you know, when he, when he's telling us here, this whole picture, you know, help him, to, help them to see Jesus is that living water that will help them find the satisfaction that they're looking for. But they're looking for it in the wrong places. You see, they're looking for it in temporary things. They're looking for it in that which is going to fade. Help them to see, you know, that that God's word is for life. You know, and God brings life so that we should be lively, embracing, enjoying, living in a relationship with God. Don't be a sourpuss Christian. Oh my goodness, there's enough of those. Don't you know? Don't look. Go, don't go through life looking like you just got done sucking on lemons. You know, be nice. Seasoned with salt, it says. Jesus said, "Those who have a relationship with Him are the salt of the earth." And He says, "If the salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. Be thrown out, trampled on by men." Now, there's a lot of different applications to that. But while I was thinking about that, I thought to myself, you know, so if if those of us who know Jesus, those of us who are supposed to be the salt of the earth, and we know Jesus, if we don't help other people know that, we are worthless to them in eternity. So, you know, picture you know, in, in what that is. You know, you may do an earthly action toward them. You may have some kind of relationship, but if, you know, you might help them feel better for the moment. But if you haven't helped them come closer to Jesus, have you really still helped them? They're still headed for hell. Help them come closer to Jesus. He goes on, he says, Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Be well grounded. Be well grounded. He says, so that you will know how to answer each person. Well, you know, you can say, I never know enough how to answer each person. But you should know enough to help your friends Find answers to the questions they have about Jesus. Those, you know, your co-workers, uh, your, your friends who don't know Christ, your co-workers who don't know Christ, those people you see every day that you see regularly, you should know enough, be well-grounded enough. You say, well, I don't. Well, then, then look for the answers for the questions they're asking. It'll help your growth too. You know, these people, you see, some people are going to ask you questions and, you know, you're not going to have answers for it. But some of those who are asking sincere questions and you know them and you see them, find answers to their questions. Help them find answers, you know, to to those. You know, understand, be able to explain the difference between practicing a religion and living in a relationship. 
That there's a difference between simply practicing religion and going to church and living in a relationship with Christ. There's a difference. Know the difference. Be able to tell them about that. Be clear that going to church and being good does not make someone a Christian. It's not a question of the good outweighing the bad. Yes, Christians should be good, but that's not why we go to heaven. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ died for our sins. And be able to tell them that. Be able to explain that. If you feel you don't know enough to help people come to know Jesus, then read and study so you will know enough to help people come to know Jesus so that you may know how you should answer each person, just as the Scripture says here. You know, you may not know the answer to every specific question, but help them to know and understand that Jesus does have the answer to the questions they're asking. And then help them to find it. Then Paul brings up two of the men he sent to Colossae, you know, with this letter, Tychicus, Good name, Andy. You know, you're looking for a name for the new kid, Tychicus and Onesimus. You know, hey, you know, but you know, he says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful servant, fellow slave in the Lord, he will tell you the news about me. He was pointing him out as an example. Be an example to follow. You know, be an example to follow. Now, look at verse 7 there, and look at these three phrases that he uses to describe Tychicus here. He says, our dearly loved brother. Our dearly loved brother. That's, that, that's a connection that only comes from spending time together. You know, from interacting with one another. It's more than simply attending worship gatherings together. It's being involved in each other's lives. It's being real with each other without judging. It's helping others to grow in their faith. And then he says, he describes him as a faithful servant. That word servant is the word that that we sometimes translate deacon. You know, a faithful servant, you know, a deacon. One who's willing to get involved with the practical aspects of living with you. One who can work alongside of, even in those unpleasant tasks, a faithful servant. And then he says, a fellow slave of the Lord. Now, in some of your translations, you have a footnote there. And and your footnote, you know, will tell you that, that, that this word, fellow slave of the Lord, is one that means bond servant. A bond servant was one who had chosen to be devoted to another person for life. And they put him up against, they, they, they put this guy up against the, against the doorpost and they, and they pierce his ear, you know, with an awl and they just take it, you know, just punch that all right through there. You better be pretty devoted to somebody you're going to punch a hole in my ear, you know. But this is, the, you know, the bond servant. And, and that, that, that signified them that, that, that everybody could look and say, Ooh, bond servant, you know, he's bond. And, you know, that bond servant there is somebody who had chosen to be devoted to another person for life. For life that they weren't going to try to walk away. They weren't going to try to get free. They weren't going to try to get away from this person. They were going to be there for life. They had voluntarily stepped up and committed to serve out of love to serve this master. We need more living examples of what it means to be devoted to Jesus. The world needs to see examples of what it means to be devoted to Christ. Verse 8, he says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Be an encourager. Be an encourager. We were talking about this in our Sunday school class. Be an encourager. Everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs encouragement, so try to encourage everyone you meet. Try, try to lift them up. You know, try to help them. Try, try to you know to, to encourage. You know, there's, you know, and 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 you know, don't say you know, you're a pretty good looking person for someone with a big nose. You know, don't. That's not encouragement. 
you know, be an encourager. Now, I've really only given you a list of qualities here. I've not told you. I, I didn't tell you why. Because uh, here's the reality that you need to realize. You are devoted to someone. It may not be who you think. It may not be, you know, what you think. Because our devotion is shown by our living. It's shown by our living. Who are you living for? How are you living? Too many who say they're Christians, who say they they follow Christ, are really only living for themselves. They're really only devoted to themselves. How do I know if I'm truly devoted to Jesus Christ? How do I know if I'm living a life devoted to Christ? Well, look at these areas that God led Paul to point out to the Colossians here. Pray earnestly. Cultivate an awareness with gratitude. Live wisely in this world. Always be gracious. Be lively. Help people to see that Jesus is relevant for today. Be grounded in your faith. Be an example to follow. Be an encourager. And as you begin to live these out more and more, you will find that you are living devoted to Christ. Let's pray.